May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear today. Communication. Communication can be very difficult. There's a story about a wannabe robber in Louisiana. He had some speech problems. His name was Sam Lincoln, and Sam walked into Bob's Cafe and speaking in a very thick, backwoods, Louisiana, Cajun accent, he told the waitress to give me all your money. Well, she couldn't understand a word that he said. And to her, it sounded like he was ordering a sieve with all the honey. So Sam turned to a customer, and he told him to hand over his money. The guy thought Sam said something about a big pile of bunny. Sam got so frustrated that he pulled out his gun. He pulled the trigger back. He squeezed the trigger, click, the gun wouldn't fire. So he grabbed the cash register and he took off running, but he didn't get too far because the cash register was plugged into the wall, kind of like a dog gets stopped at the end of their leash. He fell, he was embarrassed and frustrated and so he just got up and he ran out of the place empty-handed. Well, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. Somebody put the register back on the counter where it belonged. But five minutes later, Sam was back. This time, he made sure that he unplugged the register before he ran off of it. He was ecstatic. Now he had what he wanted. But not for long, because a policeman who had happened by at that time stopped him and arrested him. Communication was hard for Sam. Communication can be hard for us. How many times have we heard or have we thought what we have here is a failure to communicate? Expert tells, experts tell us that one of the best ways to listen to people and one of the best ways to know what they're really trying to tell you is to pay attention to their body language. Look for a nod of the head, a shrug of the shoulders, crossing their arms over their chest. They all can tell us what a person is thinking much better than the words that are coming out of his or her mouth. In fact, some communications teachers tell us that we should fake interest and pretend that we're really interested even when we're not in what somebody else is saying. And the best way we can do that is by acting like we're really paying attention and like we're really interested, like some of you are doing right now. They say that steepling your hands, ever see anybody do that? Ever see a, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe somebody sitting behind the desk and you're talking to them and they're doing this thing. They say that is a way to show somebody, yeah, or this, like Mark just did. Yeah, that, when, you, when they do that, you think, boy, they're really a deep thinker. And they're really thinking about what, I, what I'm saying and they're really listening to me. Well, the sign language, body language, is another way to communicate in addition to the words that we use. Well, Paul uses a different kind of body language in our lesson today when he's trying to describe how the church is supposed to work. He compares members of a church family to parts of a body. He says some of us are eyes, some of us are ears, some of us are mouths, some feet, some noses, etc. I'll leave it to you to figure out 
who is what at Zion, who the ears are, who the mouths are. That's up to you to decide. Paul's message is very simple, but it's also very important. First of all, Paul says each one of us, and this includes you, every one of us is indispensable. You are needed. A physical body is in trouble if a part of it is sick or a part of it is missing. So is this church. So is this body of Christ right here in Peru, Illinois. When you're not here or when you're not present, you're missed and you're needed. And it takes some of the strength from the body. Here's a parable written about that very subject. It says, once upon a time, almost everybody was an ear. All the ears had a big ear convention. And they were having a wonderful time when a nose and a mouth walked in. And they sat in the back row. And they were very quiet. But soon the usher walked over and said, you fellows don't look like ears to me. I'll be kicking you out. So the nose and the mouth left. But after a while, the convention hall caught on fire. And it destroyed all the ears. Because no noses were there to smell the smoke. And no mouths were there to warn them that the place was on fire. A person who loses his or her sense of smell suffers. A person who loses their vision, their eyes, are in trouble. Paul is saying the same thing about Christ's body, the church. Every one of us is essential. Every one of us is indispensable. C.S. Lewis once said about something about the church that's important. He said that the model that many of us use and have in our minds today for the church is the same model that we have for other organizations. We think of the church as an organization that we join. Then we do what members of an organization normally do. We come to meetings, we pay our dues, and maybe occasionally we read the organization's newsletter if we have time. This is not Jesus' model for the church. He wants his people to be joined to his church in the same way that members of a physical body are joined together. It's a living relationship. The body gives life to its members, and every member is indispensable. Being actively involved in a church is not just an option any more than an eye has an option about being involved with the physical body. It's needed. It must be there. And losing an eye, sure, you can still get by, but you can't be as effective as you used to be until you find ways to compensate. We all have a place in this family. We are indispensable. Secondly, we are all different. A nose and a mouth are different. Both of them are indispensable. Both are needed, but they're different. They have different function. They bring different gifts to the body, the same way with Christ's body, the church. When there are some of us who are strong at some things, there are others who are strong at 
different tasks and different, have different abilities and capabilities. It's always a mistake, and it happens too often in the church when we try to be something that we're not because we have to fill in for those people who are not functioning the way that, they have, that they're able to and with the abilities that they have. During the Olympics, one of the most popular places in the Olympic Village is always the bowling alley. Interestingly enough, Olympic athletes, most of them, are not very good bowlers. They don't practice bowling, they're not good at it. Just because you have strength in one area doesn't mean that you have strength in others. No more than those Olympic swimmers are great bowlers. You might remember back when Michael Jordan decided to play baseball. Remember that? He decided that he was going to be a great baseball player. He put on the right uniform. He used all the right equipment. He practiced and practiced and practiced. But Michael Jordan, watching him play baseball, was nothing like watching Michael Jordan play basketball. Fly balls hit him in the chest. He couldn't hit a fastball. He called the umpires referees. He ended up being sent to a Birmingham minor league team and never made it in baseball. Now, does that mean he wasn't a great athlete? No. It means that he was trying to do something that was not his strength, his ability. Each of us has strengths. Each of us has places that God has for us and places where God can use us. To have a strong church, every one of us needs to be using that gift that God has given to us, whatever it might be. Each doing what we do best. If we don't use our gifts, it's a loss for us personally, and it's a loss for the whole church. Catherine Elliott compares it to a bottle of perfume. She writes these words. When I was about 10 years old, Grandma received a gift of perfume in a bottle that fascinated me. The bottle was beautiful. It was made of green pottery with a long slender neck and a square bottom. It looked like pictures I'd seen of ancient wear. I begged Grandma to open it so I could smell it. She said, no, I'm going to save it until later. When I was 33, Grandma gave me the perfume, saying, let's see how long you can keep it without opening it. So that's 23 years. One day I picked up the perfume bottle. I was shocked to discover that it was empty, although it was still sealed. Turning it over, I could see why. The bottom of the bottle had never been glazed, and so the perfume had slowly evaporated through the porcelain, the porous clay on the bottom. How sad that no one ever enjoyed the odor of that perfume. Not grandma, not me, not anyone else. How disappointing for the person who gave her that gift. No one ever enjoyed it. Then it struck me that I frequently treat God's gifts to me in the same way. Not using them because I'm shy or because I'm selfish or sometimes I'm just lazy. Failing to use our gifts disappoint God, disappoints God and we deny ourselves and others the opportunity of enjoying God's blessings 
with us. End quote. That's God's will for God's people, that we use the gifts God gives us. One man's gift is taking out the garbage. Now, most of us wouldn't consider taking out the garbage much of a gift, but this man does. He stops by his neighbor's house every few days, and he empties his garbage can for him. The neighbor has trouble walking. This man just receives great joy in fulfilling his gift in life and taking out his neighbor's garbage. That's one of his gifts. What gift do you have to offer God? What gift do you have to offer his church? There is something that each one of us can give to God's kingdom. We all have gifts, and each of them is important. We all are necessary. Nobody is any better or any less important than anyone else. No one gift is any more important than any other gift in this church or any church. We are indispensable. We are different. And the third thing that Paul tells us is that we share one gift, and that is the greatest gift of all, the gift of love. Today's reading leads right into the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says that no matter how many other things you're good at, no matter how many gifts you have, if you don't have love, you have nothing. Absolutely nothing. None of those things matter if love doesn't go with it. In his book called Colors, the storyteller John Aurelio writes that one day when the heart was feeling in an especially critical mood, it said to the lungs, stop nudging me. Why do you, who do you think you are anyway? You're so filled with your own self-importance that you're trying to take over the whole place. The lungs said, you should talk. Do you ever march to a different drummer? No. All you do is day after day, you beat your own drum. The noise is the same all the time, and it drives me crazy. Come to think of it, I'm sick of you, heart, and I'm, I'm sick of hearing you. Well, the battle lines were drawn now. The two of them continued on this way for days. The one beating the same issue of, of death to death until the other just kept blowing hot air about it. Well, we'll see about this, the heart said pounding furiously as it told its story to the mouth. The mouth agreed with the heart and bit its lip in anger. We'll see how swelled up the lungs will be if I just hold back. It spat out. In retaliation, the lungs told its story to the stomach. The stomach became very upset and agreed not to feed into the heart's monotonous monologue. Before long, all the other organs began taking sides with the mouth and the lungs, the liver and the spleen with the stomach while the kidneys were split in two. Alas, the argument never came to a head. Not that it would have done much good, for by this time the body was so weak and so divided that it died. That can happen to a church. It makes no difference how talented members are, or how able the leadership of the church is, if the people of that church don't love one another, 
that church will die. The most important gift, Paul tells us, is love. Even more important, the love of Christ is what we have to offer to the people in our church and to everyone in the world. A family went to the movies, and on the way in, the young man of the family stopped by the refreshment stand to pick up some popcorn. By the time he got into the theater, the lights were already dimmed and the movie had began, and he couldn't find his family. He paced up and down the aisles looking for a familiar face. And then the lights started to dim even more. He finally stopped and just yelled out, Doesn't anybody recognize me? When visitors come into our church, they're looking for companionship. They're looking for a place to belong. They're looking for a family. And sometimes they don't find it. I believe that deep in their hearts, some people are crying out, Doesn't anybody see me? Doesn't anybody recognize me? We owe it to them to offer them genuine love and concern, the love and concern of Jesus. That's what the church is all about. That's what this church is all about. This is who you and I are. We are members of the body of Christ, not members as the world thinks of members of an organization, but living members attached together permanently to one another, to the body, each one indispensable and important, but different. All joined to one another and to the world, the world that Jesus loved so much that he died for each of them. That amazing love that calls all of the world's people to become one in Christ. Let's begin and continue, if you have, if those of us who have been, to share not only our speech, things we say, but let's share that body language. Amen.